Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Life in 22 Minutes. Uh, I'm Scott. Sometimes a little bit longer. And sometimes around that same vicinity. So I'm uh, Scott McIntosh. I got my co-host with me today, Becky McIntosh. And uh, today we have an amazing guest, Tannen Ellis Graham. Uh, she's the manager of the talent acquisition at Verisys and co-founder of Career Karma 360. Uh, she also began the aquarium here in uh, Utah in Salt Lake area and you were one of the um, first people in helping get that off the ground and get it going in the right direction. And you also now live near Snowbird and Alta uh, ski resorts. So you love to hike and be in the outdoors. Mm-hmm. So. And I try to golf. Right. And you try to golf, exactly. So where you live, though, that's a, that's a beautiful area right there. Definitely. Uh, wide open spaces and a lake that you can hike to in about 20, 25 minutes. Nice. If you're really adventurous, you can go up to the waterfall. So you're right at the mouth of Little Cottonwood Canyon. Right. Nice, nice. You eat at Lakai constantly. No. Yeah, Lakai is a very <laughs> high-priced uh, restaurant over there. It's a special place to go. Right? Yeah, once that's in right. A life, once in a while, right. <laughs> yeah, nice. Okay, well, Tannen, um, Becky has a ton of questions for you, so let's just get started. I do. Great. I know that, like Scott mentioned, that you have your hands in a lot of different things, and you're very passionate. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go back to what led you to doing what you're doing now and the different things that you have dabbed into. Great. Well, I think I focus on work, which is like a four-letter word that nobody really likes to, <laughs> to talk about, but we all have to do at some point in our lives, whether it's our first babysitting job or it's our first job out of college or it's growing a career, or like you guys starting a company, or you know doing side gigs. That's the new word, um, having a gig yeah. on the side. And so, I'm all about work and how we how we treat people coming into our companies that are going to work for us, or how we create a culture in our companies where people want to come work for us. Um, the big thing today is you know the war on talent, the war for talent, and then the side one to that is um, the the fight for fit. And it just sounds so, you know, aggravating. But the truth is, any hiring manager right now is going to tell you it's almost impossible to find the right people to put into your company. Without the right people, you don't get your products or services out to the market. And no products and services out to the market means no money. And no money means you have no company. So to me, that's what goes around, comes around, and what comes around, goes around, is making sure that the company and the people can match and create a good work environment. So I've been recruiting for 20 plus years. I um, started recruiting physicians and a lot of people don't realize doctors need help finding jobs too with a company called Comp Health, which is quite prominent here or CHG group, I think is what they go by now. And um, I kind of got a base and a love for recruiting, um, matching a really great candidate with a really fun job or a really fun candidate with a really great job, however you want to put it. But noted along the way that there just is a lot of barriers to making that happen properly. And, what, you know, we've all done it. We've applied for a job, written a resume, sent it in, and heard nothing. And that's bad. That's bad for your ego. It's bad for your heart. You've researched a company. You've looked at it, and you're like, I would be perfect here. My skill sets would be perfect for this company. And you're kind of excited because you live into it or envision that 
you know, I'm going to get this job. And then they don't call you and it, and it hurts your ego. And so I coach a lot of people in career change or um, looking to pivot or considering starting a new company. But I also coach the companies and say, that's horrible. What if we start doing that to your customers? What if somebody really wanted to hear about your product and service and we didn't call them back? We didn't engage with them. We didn't communicate. And I think technology is getting in the way of a human-to-human experience in human resources. And so that's my passion is to fix that while using technology, but actually keeping the human experience. You know, I I sit on the um, State Department of Workforce Readiness. I'm on the SHRM board for Workforce Readiness. I'm all about work. And so those who want work and are craving work, I just hosted a whole consortium of high school children with disabilities the other day on what kind of jobs could they get with their disabilities. So if you're ready, willing, and able in your capacity, then I can help you. I can help you grow your career. We can set up a career path or a plan to grow your career and what steps you have to take and how you talk to your managers. But when I have to tell people you have to show up to work on time, like that's important. (laughs) Just being on time is like the number one thing we have to coach people on. And that how you treat your managers is how you're going to be treated and how you plan your career. I mean, we, you've heard it before. We, some people say, oh, you, you spend more time planning your vacation than you do your marriage. But it's the same thing with careers. You spend more time planning that vacation to get away from your job than you do your career and how to grow it, which is baffling to me. Right. Because I think most people think that you don't have a choice on where you get to go next or how you climb the ladder. And that's just not true. There's a, a simple way to plan it. And it's different for everyone because everybody wants a different job. But you just teach them the right skills to uh, fit and to rise rise up in the ladder as well to try right. to... Um... So I wouldn't teach you, say, how to program in C-sharp so mm-hmm. that you could become a programmer. But I could sure help you find the proper classes, understand what the classes mean, right. and then maybe have a reality check of how long it might take you to climb the ladder and certain things you need to do inside of a company to be recognized for the, the mm-hmm. things that you're teaching yourself or the extra classes you're taking to grow. But, or or actually leave a company who doesn't appreciate you to find a company that will. Right. 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 So it goes both it goes ways. both ways, yeah. Okay, I'm going to change our focus here a little bit. All right. So you used to have a radio show. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> you know, um, today's economy is such that most people are in some kind of side job or they have a side gig or they have something. And, and my husband happens to be an endocrinologist and we were talking one night about what are the things, which, which is what, uh, the, it's uh, hormones, but mostly diabetes. Okay. So he treats really severe cases in type one and type one is where your body just doesn't produce the insulin that you need. And mm-hmm. so you have any, there's no fixing it. Um, they are working on bionic pancreases, which are really cool, but right now they can't fix it. Number two diet or type two diabetes. A lot of people associate it with bad lifestyle choices, which is, you know, overeating and not exercising. But if you were to host my husband at some point, he, um, actually says a lot of it is genetic and that you, it's like your eyes going bad or your hearing going bad. You're going to get it and there's nothing we can do about it. However, a healthy lifestyle is much better. So we talked about pre-diabetes, which is a red flag flashing blue light special that you're going to get diabetes at some point. Mm -hmm. But if you're trained properly on how to control pre-diabetes, you won't become diabetic. And that's the first. Okay, so just a sec, let's go back here because yeah. this is interesting to us. Becky and I both have parents that both had um, ended up being diabetic. It's right, one in three Americans have prediabetes right now. 
and mm-hmm. one in 10 have diabetes. And only 80% of people with diabetes know they have it. So they're Ooh, living wow. with a disease they don't know, which means they're probably not properly treating it. And by the time you get to my husband, you're probably in severe, you know, something's gone horribly wrong. Because usually yeah. your family practitioner or internal medicine person can help you identify it. Mm-hmm. Um, but my husband gets you when you're pumping a lot of insulin and stuff and, and tries to help you get past that. But if we can catch you in a pre-diabetic state, we can actually reverse it. And it's mm-hmm. diet and exercise and lifestyle changes. And so I went and trained as a coach. And it's the National Diabetes Prevention Program Lifestyle Coach. And I did that for about a year. And I, I hate to say it because I know there's a huge, need, a huge need for it. But it was very frustrating for me that our, that's a results-oriented coach to say, I've given you a plan. I've given you success. I've given you the numbers. I've get, and you're still not mm-hmm. doing it. You're right. still eating cheeseburgers and french fries and drinking sugar-free Coke. Or not sugar-free mm-hmm. Coke. You're drinking sugar-laden Coke. And I can't help you. I'm not medically... Uh, inclined. I love to help people get a job and grow in a career, but when you stop taking care of yourself and you yeah. feel defeated, I don't. I, I it's don't the know. same in the workforce as it is in this. You're, it, you're willing to help those that are willing to help themselves. Exactly, exactly. And it's a huge problem. And, you know, the CDC, Center for Disease Control, American Diabetes Association, American Medical are all teaming up to try to conquer this problem. Mm-hmm. And my husband is kind of on the forefront of pre diabetics and training. But the only way to treat, to treat diabetes. Um, nowadays is is kind of severe. It's the medicine, which never makes you better. It just stabilizes you or doing something like gastric bypass or gastric sleeve. And that stops diabetes and it really prevents you from overeating. So that's something you want to talk to with a doctor, not me. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But if you want to work in the medical field, I can sure help you out. That's awesome. And so you, it's funny that you and your husband both have the same passion. Yeah. I mean, how did you, how did that come about? Well, I think it's the coaching and training and mentoring. We really want people to have a better life and mine's about work and his about health. And we kind of combine the two and you guys are lucky because you work together and you probably like it, but both my husband and I are alpha dogs and it was, it was contentious there for a while. And so, um, he was my medical director and we did have tests that you could order at home to find out if you were diabetic or pre-diabetic and he would read the test and then we'd put together a program for you. Um, but it was forging a new way of thinking and most people think, well, I'll go to my doctor and get my test. And then, you know, most people don't realize that puts you on insurance and everybody mm-hmm. knows. And now you've been pre diet you know, that pre-diet, right. uh, that, what is that, um, what I'm looking for, the pre-diagnosis. Yeah. Pre-diagnose. Now you're, now it's on every medical record. And so a right. lot of people didn't want to do it that way. And it was an interesting company, but we, I, we chose to dissolve it so that I could do my passion, which is Career Karma 360. So I could help people understand the full the fullness of work like we need it, it it's our mm-hmm. it feeds our self-esteem it it we in the day if we do a good job and go i've done everything i can i'm gonna go home to my family now um with a paycheck which then generates you know uh, spending which then helps our economy so i mean everything's tied together and so if you're unhealthy i try to get you in a program so that you can get healthy while you're working but if you're right. needing help finding that great job or maybe career changing or considering starting a side business uh, that's what i like to talk about our last guest was uh bart merrill and he talked yeah. about monetizing your mindset and yeah and uh just making ways to to uh make money somehow with the things you're already doing right and uh and your passion is to get them going in the right direction so right. exactly and i feel like sometimes people come up with the gig oh i love and i'll just pick 
pick something like cookies. I love cookies. I love baking cookies and I love giving people cookies. And I'm like, that's awesome. Okay. It's got a lot of sugar and a lot of people don't need the cookies, but cookies are good. But if you had to get up every single day, not just on the weekend when there's a special occasion and bake those cookies, and then you had to get up really early because the cookies have to be baked before the store opens. And then if you break a cookie, that's, you know, 50 cents in your bottom line, or if somebody eats one that didn't pay for it, or you go through, so you've got to mentally say, all right, cook, baking cookies is my passion because I feel love and I give them to you. But do you really want to turn that into a business? And what are the things that we can do to go prove that to yourself that you really will get up at 3 a.m. to start the dough to bake the cookies and be satisfied, you know, at six o'clock when you've given away all your cookies or sold all your cookies, that that's what you want to do. And a lot of people think my dream job is a dream because it's in a dream and the work's not associated with it and the tasks aren't associated with it and the things you got to do to run the business aren't associated with it. So I help people go through that and actually see if passion can really become work. Right. And then if you're really at work, can you understand that it doesn't have to be your dream? It's not like going to Disneyland every day. Like there's going to be ups and downs in work and that's okay. And there are going to be people that are fine in a tool, a toll booth taking your money because that's comfortable from them. And I'm happy that they're there. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be people that have to be around other people. And there's going to be people who want to make the cookies. So there's all different kinds of work for all different kinds of folks, but we have to be realistic about what work is and what it's meant to be. And, and, and a homemaker, right? Cause that's the one that everybody always pushes back on. They're the busiest people in the world that are running kids and running a a home and doing it all on their own and making sure everything like that in itself. When I get moms that are ready to go back into business, we sit and analyze that in comparison to somebody who, who does that every day at a job. And, They've got just as much experience as somebody who's doing at a job. They just didn't get paid. Didn't get paid. Monitor, they didn't get the paycheck yeah. or pay taxes on it. So we like to talk about that and how we can convert that. As you were talking about that, I was thinking of this baker getting up in the middle of the night and doing all these things. But when they give a cookie to somebody and that person just can't Smiles. get that smile off their face and they right. get that big old chocolate chip stuck in their teeth, right? You know, and they still can't quit smiling. That, that's what becomes worth it for some but, people. The, yeah, right. for some people. Right. And other people can look at that and say, you know what, this still isn't enough. Exactly. <laughs> this became a job and my passion became a job so that's not fun yeah. right I mean I interviewed the fishmongers at Pike's Fish Market that there's a whole training program that I'm certified in called fish philosophy and they get up at three o'clock in the morning they're around stinky fish all day long they're in ice and you know if you've ever have you ever been there where they throw the fish oh, yeah. <laughs> one fish flying to New York one fish flying so that whole mentality is something that I've adopted that if you love what you do You'll be really good at it, no matter what it is, like stinky fish or cookies or an office doing data entry. If that's what you're really good at, it's not that it has to be your dream job because we've got to get away from that. It has to be a company that you respect, a job that you're passionate about, and a skill set that you can give back to the market. And the people you work with. Right. And you don't have to stay there forever. Nobody stays there forever anymore. Our generation might have stayed there forever, but... You know, three years, and then you get to try something new. So what can we do in three years to make the next adventure fun? Because you added some skill set, you tried something new, and you're ready to help another company succeed in whatever it is they do. Right. As you were saying, that took me back. I uh, I spent some time in Scotland, and up at the north, Mm -hmm. they had uh, all the fishermen would come in. And this family that we were good friends with... They called it filleting. We call it filleting, but they call it filleting. They were a fish filleter. And uh, and this little group of ladies would sit in there and just 
um, fillet fish all day long and laugh and carry on and have such a great time. I don't think any of them just absolutely loved filleting fish, no. but they loved their jobs because they had a good time. They were in a good environment. Um, right. So they, they had, had each other. Yes. They had fun. They had conversation. Right. Um, they knew what the work was. They got it done. They produced what they were supposed to produce. They got paid and then they got to go home and they knew that people in the village or town were eating their fish. Right. So that's that's a great job. Right. It wouldn't be for me. Right. Like I wouldn't do it. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't want to fillet the fish. But I don't think they'd come sit in a QB all day long right. and type away on a computer right. and talk to people and solve their problems like I do. Right. Like exactly. that would be horrible. Well, everybody's mm-hmm. needed. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And everybody can find a passion that they can grow into. I love your passion surrounding this. I know. I know. I I'm all it. about work, and it's like a four-letter word. <laughs> I love this. This is this is what I was meant to do: recruit and um, work on talent acquisition with, for companies. Because there's a lot of companies that aren't doing it right. They're doing it like the industrial age. They post a job and they expect that uh, you know a couple resumes, 20, 30, 40, 100 resumes will show up, and they'll screen them and they'll call them and they'll interview them and then they'll hire them. And that's mm-hmm. kind of not what's happening anymore. It's gotten so complex that the top three percent of the companies nowadays are using robots to do or bots to do mm-hmm. a lot of this work, wow. which means they will hunt you down on the internet. They will start conversing with you, which is a robot or a bot sending you a text or an email saying, "Hey, you know, you're a skilled fisherman or." You're you're a skilled, um, you know, secretary or you're a skilled, you know, graphic artist, whatever it is you are, because we put that all out online and they're using keyword searches mm-hmm. and then they'll send you a text going, Hey, we happen to have a job open in, you know, computer science or a job open in whatever. Are you interested? And if you are, they say, great, send us your resume or your profile on LinkedIn and you do. And then they say, great, this is awesome. We want to get to know a little bit more about you. Do this assessment, which is computer generated mm-hmm. and you do the assessment and then they say, awesome. We're we're going to send you some video questions and you're going to answer them and send them back to us. Okay. Like an interview, but you can do it at the comfort of your home when you're ready. But then you sit in front of your computer, this question pops up. They tell you you've got two minutes to answer it. Your face is being recognized. You're answering the question. And, and I've seen people do it in their pajamas in bed and I've seen people with suit and tie on. So I've seen all different kinds of levels. But that computer software is recognizing your face and it's looking for twitches. It's looking for lying signs. It's looking, it's like FBI wow. grade wow. computer generated software, you know, to see what you're doing. And then you send that in and then they're like, great, here's our offer letter, review it, you know, and sign it. And then you docu-sign it and you send it in and you don't really talk to a person until the first day. This, this, this is depressing because I'm, so, so depressing. I'm, so, well, I'm just sitting here thinking not one person, not one robot has ever reached out to me. I know. They don't think I have any skill set. I mean, I've won a lot of cruises from robots. <laughs> right. You know, I, I get those, but I don't get the, yeah, I don't exactly. get the job offers. And it's, you know, it's probably because your keywords aren't set up where you're triggering the companies. Yeah. Now, this is the top, you know, the top echelon of the top echelon of the companies that are getting thousands of resumes. Right. Right. I mean, we've seen it. They post for Amazon and thousands of people are standing in line for two days just to get their resume and get interviewed. And so the human factor still has to be there, but companies aren't doing it right because they they got this great technology that scans your resume, pulls out the keywords, it ranks you. Mm. So if you don't put the keywords in as an applicant, you end up at the bottom of the pile, even though you might be the most qualified. If you think about it, if I post a job and I get 75 resumes, one person gets the job. Mm-hmm. 74 go home upset. So if 75 people walk into the bakery and you've got one cookie and one person gets a cookie and 74 people do not get a cookie <laughs> who wanted a cookie, how are you going to fix that? How are you going to make a good experience? 
you know, you can give them a cookie coupon. You could give them a donut hole. You could try everything. But as as a company looking at those as customer, you're going to try something to fix the 74 people because you do not want 74 people walking out of your company in one day going, ah, I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get what I wanted, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, we teach companies how to do that, how to make 74 people leave and go, okay, I didn't get the job, but that company was so cool. And did you know this is what they do? And I'm on a waiting list and they've been letting me know everything that's going on in that company. And I feel a part of it because they included me and they asked me questions about my experience on your company. You and still you have can, a good feeling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you can do that with, you know, the marketing stuff that's already set up for what you would do for a customer. Because I know you've solved that as a company, if you're any good at all of how 74 people didn't get fulfilled, but tomorrow you probably sent 74 of them a cookie or a cookie bite with a coupon to come get a new cookie. So why can't we do that with candidates? I like your, what goes around, comes around, what comes around, goes around. You recognize the companies that are really trying to reach out and help be a good employer. Right. You know, they're, they're people who work for them feel valued. I remember, uh, in fact, I'll never forget it, the chief of police in Lehigh, I heard, I was talking to, one of his officers mm-hmm. who used to be one of my wrestlers. He, mm-hmm. I used to coach him in wrestling and, and I asked him how he liked being an officer in Lehigh and he says, I absolutely love it. He says, can you imagine a job where every day you walk in and your boss comes up and gives you a huge hug and the chief of police, that was his, that was his thing. He hugged yeah. every officer every time he saw him because they just had an officer get shot just right before that. And he never knew when the last, when that would be the last time. Right. And so that commitment as far as a, as a leader, mm-hmm. just to love your people enough to even go through the uncomfortable. I'm sure there was some non-huggers in there, but it still felt good to get a hug from your boss. But those, those companies who just put into them, make their people feel valued, that's uh, a great company to work for. And, right. it, and it comes back. So that chief is building a, a culture, right? And employees really want three things that are really simple. They, they want a workspace that works for them. So for the police officer, it's his car, right? Because he's right. in, or, or, you know, where his desk, but I'm going to say his, his, his patrol unit. He wants a working car. If that car didn't have oil or the tires were always flat or he, he would be having a different experience. So most of us want a great workspace, however that is. So mm-hmm. I know that I have to have an office where I can close, close and do my work, but millennials like to be right next to each other. They mm-hmm. like the hum and the, and that would drive me insane. So <laughs> it's really hard because we have all the generations in the workforce right now. We've got Xers right. still at work. We've got boomer. I mean, we've got boomers still at work. We've got Xers. We've got millennials. And then, you know, the I generation is starting to work and believe it or not, the next one, which is called alpha is going to be in the workforce in about 11 years. And, and boomers who didn't save for retirement are still going to be in there. So all those generations are going to be in one workforce and they all feel different about workspace. Mm -hmm. The next one is tools. If that police officer's gun wasn't working or his vest was old or his radio didn't work, he'd be really upset. Like he'd be having a different experience, but I'm sure that their culture is all their stuff is clean and ready to go so that that officer can do their job. And then the last one is the culture. And that's very important because we stick all these people together for eight, 10, 12 hours a day. And then they've got to do their reports and they've got to deal with customers. In this case, police officers deal with all kinds of badness, right? right? But if they know that they're going to come back with a soft spot to land and their boss gets it and their boss has been there and not only that, but their boss is going to hug them and mm-hmm. are thankful that they show up today. Could you imagine if you walked into your place of business today and your boss was so thankful that you were there versus yeah. um, you were three minutes late? Yeah. You know, and so right. creating that company culture, no matter what, and it's going to be different for everyone because not everybody can hug, but if those three needs are met and they're met correctly, 
no matter what your company is or what those three things look like for your company, your employees are going to feel valued. I love it. Well, our time is up. That goes so fast. Doesn't 22 it? minutes is just gone, isn't it? So 22 minutes or something. Or something and some extra more. sometimes. Yeah, so. A little bit more. If you would like to connect with Tannen, visit our show notes and I will have links to her website. Well, thank you so much for sharing You're with welcome. us today and helping us to understand how to be a better employee, a better employer, and, and the things right. to look for. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.